Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Acts chapter 13. And as we're opening our, or you're opening your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, we continue to see as we're going to go through the word, the work of God as he grows the church. And we're going to see how Barnabas and Saul are actually sent into the world to spread the gospel, the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we looked previously at how the gospel moved from Jerusalem to Judea, and we saw an amazing, an amazing, excuse me, an amazing awakening that took place there in Samaria as God used Philip to bring the gospel there, and we saw the gospel going into Phoenicia. We saw the gospel going into Cyprus and into Syria by unnamed disciples. And now we're going to see the gospel bursting through the doors into the world as we examine the first missionary tri trip of Barnabas and Saul. You know, it's an amazing trip that they did. It's an amazing journey. But I believe that there's much more to this trip than just talking about the trip. We're going to see, and we're going to see it clearly, the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is going to be the main focus of our teaching this morning. I don't want to minimize or belittle the amazing journey, this first missionary journey. But what I do believe is the work of the Holy Spirit is much greater. He's the one that made it happen and he was the one that moved and that's why we want to focus on this as we see men that were yielded to God and open to his leading and the Holy Spirit led them on an amazing journey. I want us all to know that the Holy Spirit is available for us today. He's available for us today and he wants to lead us in an amazing journey with the Lord. I know that many aren't so acquainted as to who he is. And this is why, as we examine this journey, we will become more acquainted with the Holy Spirit. And that is the title of today's message, Becoming Acquainted with the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I know one thing is that there are many misconceptions. There are many misunderstandings as to who he is. Some will say that he is a force. Some will say that he's an impersonal power. But none of that really matters. What matters most is what the Bible says about him. And that's exactly what we're going to read about. That's exactly what we're going to examine. We're going to examine the scriptures to know him personally. And with that, let's go ahead and read. We're going to begin as we last left off in verse 24 of Acts chapter 12. So we're going to read one verse in Acts chapter 12, and then we're going to read up to verse 12 in Acts 13. So let's just go ahead and read it so you have a, just a, a glimpse as to the things that we're going to talk about. Beginning here in verse 25, it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Maname, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Alimus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, and seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who, was also, who also is called Paul, Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, 
O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of the righteous of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. You know, as we close here, you know, I just want to share with you the things that are going on. This is an amazing work of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit who is active, the Holy Spirit who is just moving, who is leading, who is directing. We see the Holy Spirit speaking. We see him as a person intimately involved with people. And so let's get into the verses and allow the Spirit of the Lord to teach us Allow his word to come to life. And it says there in verse 25, it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. You know, when we look at what happened last week as we talked about this, as we talked about, I'm sorry, what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about just Peter and King Herod's attack on the, upon the church. But last week we didn't mention Saul or Barnabas here. But the last time we talked about them was a couple of weeks ago when we talked about love in action. And one way that love is displayed by Christians is to help those in need. And we talked about these things and this was Saul and Barnabas or Barnabas and Saul, I should say. For they were the ones that planted this church there in Antioch, Syria. And we know that there were many Christians in Antioch and the Christians that were there in Antioch, Syria, what they wanted to do was help the Christians that were in Jerusalem. There was a famine. <clears throat> there was a drought. There was a need. And so the Christians in Antioch, what they decided to do is they decided to help financially those Jews that were in Jerusalem. And they delivered the money by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul that planted there in Antioch, the church, they left Antioch and they went to Jerusalem. And so when they were in Jerusalem, it was time now to go back to Antioch. And that's what we're reading here in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. How Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem and they went to Antioch. And so when they went back to Antioch, it says that they brought along a gentleman by the name of John Mark. And this John Mark that, we're, that I've mentioned here is actually Mark, the one who wrote the gospel according to Mark. And so they took him as an assistant. And so let's see what happens there at the church in Antioch. And let's read here in verse 1 of chapter 13. It says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manium, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As we read here, right, what we have here is we have the church in Antioch and it tells us that they were filled with prophets and teachers. These were the ones that were speaking for God. These were the ones that were teaching the word of God to the church there, to the believers that were in Antioch. And remember, these are not Jews. These are Gentile believers. And as we look at these prophets and teachers, what are prophets and teachers? When we look at prophets, prophets is real simple. There's a mouthpiece for God. They were the ones that speak. The word of God to man. Remember, at this time, they didn't have the Bible the way we have it today. They couldn't open up the Bible and have the Lord speak to him through his word. And so what he would do is he would speak through men. He would give them his word to, to relate and to speak to them. And then there were also teachers, and teachers were different than prophets. When we look at teachers, teachers are those who expound and explain the word of God simply. Just as Pastor Chuck would always teach us, right, to teach the Word of God simply. Just teach it simply so that everyone can understand it. And that's what we intend to do so that even a child that comes through these doors, that they would know what's going on. And so we teach it, and we teach it simply. And when we look at these two gifts of prophecy as well as teaching, remember, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. As we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it mentions these gifts, the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of teaching. It tells us that there's some that are prophets and there's some that are teachers. Let's look at these men. When we first see Barnabas, 
We know Barnabas, he's the one that, that, that is going on the first missionary trip with Saul. But prior to this, we know that he, you know what, he was there in the church in Jerusalem. And as we, or when we met him, we were told that he was the son of encouragement. In other words, he was a man that encouraged people. He was a man that consoled people. And we are, we're also told that he was a Levite from Cyprus. In other words, he was a Levite. He was from the tribe of Levi. And he came from the island of Cyprus. Remember, it was he that went out to seek out Saul. And it was when he sought Saul that he took him there to Antioch. And so these two men established a bond. He encouraged Saul when no one else wanted Saul, when people were afraid of Saul. And we see him now as he's going to be joining on the first missionary journey. We're also told of Simeon, or Simeon the, who was also called Niger. Some say that he was from Nigeria. Others say that he was actually Simon from Cyrene, the one that carried the cross of Jesus when Jesus walked to Calvary carrying his cross. Remember, there was a man that, that, that you know, when he fell, that the Roman soldiers said he needed help, and so they pulled out a man from the crowd. And some say this is this same Simeon. This is from Luke 23, verse 26. And then we're also told of Lucius the Cyrene. If it is truly Simon from Cyrene, then we know that this man would have encouraged and brought probably Lucius to the faith. And so now they're serving together here in Antioch. And then there's Manium. Manium, as we see that he grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. Understand who this man is. This man is actually grew up with King Herod Antipas, the one that beheaded John the Baptist. And imagine this, and many of us grew up in the same type of environment. I grew up the same way, right? Where, where we have two people that grow up in the same environment, but they take on two completely different paths. And we see one path that was taken by Manium. He took a path with the Lord. And we see, of course, Herod the Tetrarch. He, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And then finally, we have Saul. Imagine this, Saul the Pharisee. Saul the one that was out breathing murder and bringing people to, in chains to imprison them, to destroy the church of God. And, and imagine looking at these men. These were the men that were teachers and these were the men that were prophets there at the church of Antioch. And this should really encourage us because we look at the grace of God when we look at the past of many people. Their past is never pretty, is it? And we see these men. You know, why isn't their past pretty? Why isn't it that God chooses all these, these religious people? Because he came to save the sinners. He wants us to be trophies of his grace to show to the world what God can do through us. See, what I love about Christianity is it doesn't matter who you were. What matters is who you are today. And that's what matters to the Lord. And that's what matters and that's what's so amazing about the Lord is that he can do these wonderful things through people that were rejected, yet they are accepted by him. As we look at verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. As they were worshiping the Lord, as these men, it says there, as they ministered, as they worshiped, as they fasted. The Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. You know, as I mentioned to you earlier, right, we're talking about the first missionary journey. But I want to be clear on this, that what's important here is the Holy Spirit's movement. This is what we're talking about. This is what we're going to focus on. We see here that how the Holy Spirit is, is just... As, it's, as, it, as he says there, how he speaks and, and how he refers to himself. And as we're talking about becoming acquainted with the Holy Spirit, I want us to learn things about the Holy Spirit because this is what the, uh, the Bible reveals to us. Things that he wants us to know about who he is from the scriptures, not from what people say, but from what the scripture says. And right here, as we look in verse two, the first thing that we hear about the Holy Spirit or the first thing that... We become aware is that one, he speaks. He speaks. Remember, the Holy Spirit speaks. 
And when we look at the scriptures, it reveals to us that he speaks. It's just not that he's speaking here. But when we look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice. So the Holy Spirit actually speaks. I don't know if you know that, but the Holy Spirit speaks. And we need to be aware that the Holy Spirit will speak. And what he usually does is he speaks to and through people. This is the way he normally does it. He normally speaks to and through people. When we look at the scriptures, it reveals to us how he is a wind of breath. And let me read this to you from John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, however, when he, the Holy Spirit, it's talking about he, the Spirit. And the Greek word for the Spirit here is pneuma. And pneuma means wind. It means breath. How he is the Spirit of truth. How he has come and he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, he will, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So what we have here is we have the Holy Spirit speaking truth. He's the one that speaks. He's the one that guides us into all truth. Understand this about the Holy Spirit, that he is our teacher. But how is it that he speaks or teaches? We're, we're told this right there where it talks about the Spirit, the pneuma. He is a wind of breath. And when it comes to wind, I want to remind you of one thing. Remember wind. You can't really see it. It's not something that's tangible. The same thing is the way he speaks. We may not always hear an audible voice. Remember, when the Holy Spirit speaks, he's not speaking with an audible voice. But you're going to have just an impression. You're going to have a sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. See, when you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, when you are sensitive to his leading, you will sense his voice speaking to you. Remember, when, the Holy, when you come to faith, when you surrender yourself to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. He dwells in your heart. Your heart is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's where he speaks and you can get a sense of his speaking. You get that impression of when he speaks to you. And when you know that he is speaking to you and when you listen to that voice and you follow that voice, you see amazing things happen. And we're talking about his work when we look at the second thing that i want to share with you about the holy spirit about becoming acquainted with him is also revealed to us here in this in verse two where he tells us now separate to me barnabas and saul for the work to which i have called them the second point that i want to give you the second way we can become acquainted with the holy spirit is what he reveals to us, which is point number two, that he is a person. He is a person. And why is he a person? Because look at how he refers himself. He refers to himself as in the personal pronoun of me and I. He refers to himself in the personal pro pronoun of me and I, where he says, now separate to me. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. He says, separate to me. Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I, I, the personal pronoun, have called them. See, there are people that will say that he's a force and people that will say that he's an impersonal power. But why would he refer him to himself as I and he if this is what he is? Remember, we're talking about personal pronoun. We're talking about a person here referring himself to I and me. Many times we speak of ourselves as I and me. And that is what he's doing. And when we look here, when they say that he's impersonal, I see him very personal here, don't you? As he's speaking to what? To the three remaining prophets and teachers that were mentioned. He spoke to either Simon, Lucius, or Manium. He could have spoken to all three or he could have spoken to two of them. We're not clearly given as to who he spoke to. But we know that they heard his voice. They heard that impression in, in, their, in their heart. They heard that their impression within them. They heard the Holy Spirit instructing them to separate both Barnabas and Saul. And when they heard that, they vocalized it. They vocalized it. They said to the others, you know what? The Holy Spirit has spoken to us, and I guarantee you that. He probably just didn't speak to one. He probably spoke to a couple of them, or could have been all three. And they were all in agreement to it. And they said, you know what? This is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. This is what he's telling us to do. He is a person. 
He speaks. And not only does the Holy Spirit refer to himself as this person, but I want you also to understand that Jesus himself referred to him as a person. When we look at John chapter 16, beginning in verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, remember he's speaking of when he would ascend into heaven. If I don't go away, the helper, and here in the Greek, the word helper is translated as parakletos, which means comforter and counselor. If I don't go away, the counselor, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, here it is, I will send him to you. Jesus referring to him in the personal pronoun of him as a person. And again, and when he, Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit, when he, referring himself to this person, he, the Holy Spirit, has come. Again, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. That righteousness only comes in Jesus. And of judgment of sin, the coming judgment of sin. As we think about this, remember this. The Holy Spirit is a third person of the triune God. Remember, God exists in three persons. He exists in the person of God the Father, in the person of God the Son, Jesus Christ, and in the person of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at this, right, we're seeing that he's a person. He refers to himself as a person. Jesus refers himself to, to him as a person. So all of these teachings that you have out there that say he's a force or an impersonal power is completely false. These, again, are teachings that come from the enemy, from the evil one, so that you don't have a relationship with this personal God that is called the Holy Spirit because that is the power that moves and leads us and directs us. In verse 3, as we keep moving on, it says, Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. What's amazing about these men, these prophets and te teachers, after hearing the Holy Spirit speak to them about separating both Barnabas and Saul, they continued to fast and pray. And after they fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and then they sent them away. What's amazing about this is that, see, when the Holy Spirit speaks, not all the time is he going to give you all the details. Remember that. Details are not always going to be given to us. When the, when the Lord gave me a vision or a dream, I should say, about the church that I would plant in La Puente, he just gave me the dream about the church, but he never told me the city, and he never told me its location. He never gave me details as to how it was going to happen. All he did was give me a dream. And we must remember always that when we have these dreams or when the Holy Spirit speaks, he expects us to believe in faith, what he has spoken, and then he expects us to walk by faith as he leads us by his Spirit. Remember, this is the way he works. This is why they continued to fast and pray because they didn't know what to do next. They just knew that they were to send them out, but they wanted to fast and pray, okay, you direct us now. You lead us now. And when it comes to praying, I think many of us are familiar with praying. If you're not familiar with fasting, we actually have some pamphlets there on the prayer team table that's in the back. And there's a pamphlet on fasting. If you want to, get more, if you want to become more familiar with fasting, please pull up a pamphlet so that you can read about fasting. But as we look at this, right, they continued to fast and pray. And then they laid hands on them, and then they sent them away. Let's read what happens in verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, which brings us to the third point of becoming acquainted with the Holy Spirit. The third point is this, is that he directs. He directs. When we look at the Holy Spirit, it is a Holy Spirit. If you are sensitive to, his, to the Holy Spirit, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then He will direct you. 
And how do we know that he directs us? Because this is the way he directs in the scriptures. It speaks to us about how he directs people. And this is why we're becoming acquainted with him. When it comes to his direction, we looked at this a few weeks ago when we spoke on the Holy Spirit as he was directing Philip. Look at what it says in Acts, Acts chapter 8, verse 29, where it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Again, remember the Holy Spirit speaking again. And then he directs him, go near and overtake this chariot. So you have a direction here by the Holy Spirit. And not only does it happen here, but it happens throughout the book of Acts. When we look at the second missionary trip, we're going to look at this probably in a, in a month or so. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit directs both Paul and Silas in, his second, in the second missionary journey. In Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit did not permit them. So we have here, again, a direction of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit, again, is, is speaking to them. He's directing them. And I love this about the Holy Spirit. See, because when you and I become a church or a people that are led and directed by the Holy Spirit, man, there is no stopping us. The Holy Spirit will move powerfully through this ministry, through each and every one of us, through you, through myself. Remember this, that a church that is led by the Spirit of God will become a powerful church of God. A church that is led by the Spirit of God will become a powerful church of God. And this is what I desire, and this is what the Holy Spirit desires of our church, that we would be a Spirit-led church, that we would be a church that is led by the Spirit, that we would do the things that He is asking us to do. Not what we want to do, but what He wants to do. Not my will, but His will. I decrease, He increases. And we will see a mighty work happening, not only in your lives, but in the life of this city, in the life of people around you because the Holy Spirit overflows us and he moves powerfully. As we read here, as we see here that it says that they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. A few weeks ago we showed you a map and I don't know if you can pull up that map, Mike. We have a map here, and you see here, Antioch. And they're going to sail to Cyprus, but Seleucia is right here. It's, it's southwest of Antioch. And so when they go to Seleucia, what happens is, is that they're going to now sail to the island of Cyprus. Why did they go to Cyprus? Again, the Holy Spirit didn't tell them to go to Cyprus. But as they were filled and led by the Holy Spirit, he directed them there. Just like I didn't know where I was to plant the church, but he directed me to La Puente. And that is the same thing here when it comes to, when it comes to Barnabas and Saul. The Holy Spirit led them. And one thing we know about Barnabas, remember Barnabas was from Cyprus. Was that why they went? That doesn't matter. It's the Holy Spirit that led them over there. And when, it go, when we come to verse 5, it says, And when they arrived in Salamis... They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. If you go back to the map, let me see if they, if they show here uh, in the island of Cyprus. Oh, perfect. See, it's here. It's actually on the east side of Cyprus. So they sailed there into Salamis. And as they sail to Salamis, what they do is they go into the synagogues of the Jews. Remember, they're... Their mission was always to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. And so they first go into the synagogue of the Jews. And it tells us there that John was there as their assistant. We're talking about Mark here. Mark was their assistant. Again, just assisting them in various responsibilities and duties. He was helping them wherever they needed. As we see here in verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man, 
This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. If you could pull up the map again, as we see there, you can see where they went to. They actually went to Paphos, which is on the east side of the island of, or the west side of the island of Cyprus. And as we see there that this is actually the capital. And so there's a lot of things going on in this city. And guess what they find there? We see again all this activity. It's just like in LA, the bigger city. You have more activity. You have more things going on. And so what they find there is they find there a sorcerer. He's a, far, uh, he's a false prophet. And this false prophet, this sorcerer is called Bar-Jesus. So you know what Bar means. Bar means son. So they had called him son of Jesus. And so as we, as, as, we keep, as we read here, we find out that he was very close to a man by the name of Sergius Paulus. And this Sergius Paulus, so you know, he's actually the governor of Cyprus. He's the governor there in the island of Cyprus. And it tells us about Sergius Paulus, right? It says that he's what? A very intelligent man. But remember too, he's also a Roman because as the governor of the island of Cyprus, this means that he was appointed by Rome as their governor. And so he's a Gentile. And what we're also told is that the sorcerer and the governor had a very close relationship. As we see here, they're, 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 they're very close to one another. But one thing happens is that the governor begins to hear about the gospel being preached by Barnabas and Saul. He hears about it. And as it says there that he wants to know more. As he says there that he, he sought to hear the word of God. Let me remind you, before you and I ever became believers, we had the Holy Spirit that was convicting us. See, that is really the, the first relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. So you know, there's three relationships and we'll cover these in a second, in a few but we had a relationship with the Holy Spirit where he was what? Convicting us of our sin. He was telling us that we were sinners and that we needed to be born again. And then you heard somebody, you know, that approached you and they, they began to share with you things of God and maybe some of them even shared some scriptures with you. And you had a desire to know more of God. See, what I'm explaining to many of us is really what we have here from John chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they did not believe in me. See, the governor was being convicted by the Holy Spirit. He knew that he had a need to be born again, just like many of us. And when we heard the word of God, that's what we wanted, right? When we said, okay, you know what, I'm going to go. And all of a sudden, we began to hear the word of God. And let's read what happens next here in verse 8. It says, but Alimus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Understand this. When you first had a desire to hear the word of God, to, to come to God, remember this, there will always be opposition. You will have people, telling, uh, you will have people inviting you, when you were invited to go to church and when you had plans to go to church, somebody will come and they will invite you to do something else. Or they will come and you will have somebody, you know, either something went wrong, either your car doesn't start or, or, or you got hit or something. There will be opposition from hearing the word of God. That's the way the enemy works. And so what we have here is we have the enemy that comes and of course, he's trying to oppose. He's, he's trying to keep the governor from hearing the truth of God. And so let's read in verse 9. It says, And Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Let's stop here. I want you to know that moving forward from this place, Saul will no longer be referred as Saul, but he will be referred as Paul. So what we have here is moving forward, Paul will be called Paul. And I want you to understand what Saul means, right? The word means requested one. When you look at the definition of Saul, it means requested one. But when you look at the definition of the word Paul, it means little one. Little one. Is this referring to his stature or is this referring to his relationship to Jesus Christ? 
When it comes to us, remember, Paul knew who he was when it came to Christ. You know what? I decrease, he increases. He's greater, I am weaker. Was it for that reason? We don't know. But one thing we know that it was very appropriate as to his new name. But one thing that we know, and this is what we're going to see as we become acquainted with the Holy Spirit, the fourth point. And the fourth point is this. It says there that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. As we become acquainted with the Holy Spirit, understand this. The fourth point is this, is that he fills. He fills. Remember this. It's important that we understand that, that it is the Holy Spirit that fills when we look at the third person of the triune God, it is God that fills us. What does it mean to fill us? It means that you will be filled to the rim. It means that you will be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It means that now He is controlling your life. You are filled. You are controlled. You are filled to the rim by the Holy Spirit. And now He's controlling your life. How do I know if I am filled with the Holy Spirit? The Word of God tells us when you are filled by the Holy Spirit. And let me reveal this to you. It's from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It tells us when you are filled by the Holy Spirit. And remember, when you are filled, and remember, this is an outcome. This is a behavior that happens in the life of a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Remember, you will be walking in love. You will have joy. You will have peace. There's going to be a peace that surpasses all understanding that's ruling in your hearts. You will be patient. You will be long-suffering towards people. You will be kind. You will be good. You will be faithful. Faithful to the Lord. You will be gentle. You're no longer going to want to dominate. You're going to be gentle now. You're going to be walking in self-control. See, if you want to know if you are yielded and filled with the Spirit, this is your test. This is your barometer. If you find yourself coming out of control, then you're no longer filled with the Holy Spirit. If you find out that anger has taken over or that you're walking in sin, guess what? You're no longer filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us when we are not filled with the Spirit. And let's read this in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. It says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're walking in the Spirit, if you're filled with the Spirit, if you are controlled by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And what, are, what is the flesh? Let's jump down to verse 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. If you are walking in adultery, if you are in fornicating, if you are unclean, if you are lewd, if you are, if you are in idolatry, if you are in sorcery, meaning taking drugs and doing drugs, if you are walking with hate, if you are con uh, uh, contentious, contest contentious with people, if you are jealous, if there are outbursts of wrath, if you have selfish ambition, if you are, have dissensions, if you have heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If this is what you are practicing, don't let the enemy fool you. You are not in the spirit and you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about slipping and tripping and stumbling into one of these things. But when this becomes your lifestyle, you are not filled with the spirit. You are not controlled by the Spirit. No matter how much you want to convince yourself that, you know what, that, I am a, that the Spirit of God is filling me, but if you are practicing these things, you're only lying to yourself and the enemy has deceived you. As we keep reading on in verse 10, it says, And Paul said, O fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind not seeing the sun for some time, for a time. What's amazing about this is that remember, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul was able to see right through the sorcerer. He knew that, you know what, he was able to discern the spirit that was directing the sorcerer. And he immediately calls him a fraud. And remember, his name was Son of Jesus. And what does he tell him? You are the son of the devil. You're not a son of Jesus. And he tells him, you are an enemy of righteousness. Why? Because you are perverting the straight ways of the Lord. 
But what happened with Paul to understand these things? Remember, I told you, I would give you how we become acquainted with the Holy Spirit. There's one final, this is the fifth and final point. And that is that he baptizes. And when I talk about this, I want to share this with you because see, Paul had received gifts when he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. Remember when he had seen the Lord on, his, on the road to Damascus. And remember, he was told that he, that, he was he, Ananias, or he was told that he would be baptized. And Ananias, he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. And not only was he baptized by the Holy Spirit, but he also had a water baptism. But when he was baptized by the Holy Spirit, immediately the Holy Spirit imparted upon him certain gifts. And these gifts that he, were imparted upon him were gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's read about this. Before we talk about the gifts, let's talk about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there's now a thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're not talking about water baptism here because John's the one that baptized with water. But we're talking about now a baptism. A baptism that is separate from a water baptism. And then in verse 8, it gives us the details about this baptism. What happens when you are baptized? It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will become a witness. Why? Because there's amazing things. The power of God will, flow, will come upon you and it will flow through you. And this is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember I mentioned to you that there was one relationship that I mentioned already. And that is the relationship of the Holy Spirit when he's alongside us, convicting us of our sin. And then when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, there's a second relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. And the second relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit is that he comes in you. Remember in 1 Corinthians, it says that you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's now dwelling in you. But then what we have here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, now we have the third relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now this is called the one that he comes upon us. He overflows us. And when he overflows us, we become witnesses. Where people see you and they say, man, I, look at these things that God is doing through you. Just like the governor saw in Paul. He was like, whoa, you're exercising, first of all, discernment, miracles, and your teaching is unbelievable. Just like many of us, exercising these gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are to bring God glory and honor. They're not our gifts. They're the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts that he imparted upon us. To be witnesses of God so that people can come to God. Remember, that's what it's for. When we look at these gifts, many of us are saying, well, what are these gifts? The Bible gives us these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then he goes on to speak of these gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom. Wisdom, imagine that. And we can't go through all of this, but wisdom is knowing what to do with the things that you know. The gift of knowledge. Through the same Spirit, I know things. Supernaturally, I know things about you. This is the Holy Spirit that reveals these things. And I've shared this with people before. I, I've shared with them, you know what, this is, this is where you're at right now. Why do I know that? It's not that I know your personal life or I'm following you and, and you know what, and, and examining your life at home. It's just that the Holy Spirit reveals these things to another faith. Faith, you know what, you have a, a, a greater amount of faith than others. The gift of healings. You're able to heal. But remember, these are all subject to the Spirit moving. It's not, you can't just call them up at, some of these you just can't call them up at will. It's when the Holy Spirit wants to work through you. It says to another, the working of miracles. You know, we know that these were for the apostles. As we see there, to another prophecy, speaking forth the word of God. Remember, communicating the mouthpiece of God. To another, discerning the Spirit. That's exactly what Paul had. 
He was able to discern the Spirit. To another, different kinds of tongue. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Imagine these unknown languages, these tongues that you speak. For those of you that have the gift of tongues, you know, wow, look at this gift. It's amazing, right? There's some that don't even believe that the gifts are for today. But the Bible never said that. The Bible reveals that these things are for today because Paul talks about it in the church that was going on. And it talks about the interpretation of tongues. See, unless there's interpretation, we don't speak in tongues. Because Paul talked about this, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, people are going to think you're crazy. The church is crazy. Imagine if somebody walked in here and somebody was speaking in tongues. People would say that church is nuts. And people got stumbled by that. People have not returned to church because of this very reason. Romans 12 repeats some of these and it gives us some new ones. In Romans 12, verse 6, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy. We talked about that in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, serving one another. That's, that, that servant's heart, that, that gift of helps. That's from the, from the Spirit. One who teaches. Again, the gift of, a spirit, of the Spirit. We talked about that. One who exhorts. One who encourages people to do the things of God. To walk in God and... And one who gives, the gift of giving. Certain people have the gift of giving. This is, again, of the Spirit, of leading. Those that have the gift of leadership, those that have the gift of government, they do it with diligence. Those that show mercy. Remember, mercy, I mean, showing that kindness, showing mercy to people. You know, that's an amazing gift because we know that as we give mercy that we will ourselves receive the mercies from God. And not only does it end there, but in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that he called them to be apostles. Yes, we know that there were 12 apostles, and that's it. We know that Judas disqualified himself. He was, you know what, he, he just never believed, and so he was replaced by Matthias. There were 12. And then some will say, well, what about Paul? You know what, that's, you know what, that's just another topic. But then again, there is a gift of apostleship. You know what the gift of apostleship is? Ship, the, the gift of apostleship is? Apostleship. <laughs> Where did that come from? The gift of apostleship is, it means one cent. So today, the missionaries have the gift of apostleship. Like we sent Gonzalo and Victoriana. You know what? They have that gift. They were sent out. Some prophets we talked about that, some evangelists. You know, I love the gift of evangelism. And those that have it are able to share the gospel with people. And all of a sudden, people, what, are coming to the faith. And then again, pastors and teachers. You know, we have the pastors, the shepherds, the teachers. And Paul was overflowing with these gifts. He was filled with the Spirit. As we see here, he was able to discern. He was able to teach. He was able to do this miracle. What gifts do we have? When you come to Jesus Christ, when you are baptized, not by water, but by the Spirit, you will receive one of these gifts. Some of us receive several gifts, but at least you will be given one gift by the Spirit of God. And let's close with the final verse. It says, Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. You know what? The proconsul, he believed. Remember, we're talking about now what? The gifts that were overflowing. So, of course, he believed. You know what? He believed. He, this was a witness to Jesus Christ. Remember, as we talked about in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, they were going to be witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And they were outside now of Samaria. And so we have the, the governor that believed. And what's amazing about this is that as he believed, right, because these gifts were a witness, he was saying, man, who can do this? It has to be the Spirit of God. It has to be the gifts of God. But I want to share with you one thing that most astonished him. One thing that was beyond the gifts. Because the gifts led him, but he was most astonished, as it says there, at the teaching of the Lord. It was the Word of God. That's why we focus here on the Word of God. We give you the Word of God. This is all we want to give you. Yes, the practice of the gifts as we're going to have on Wednesday, 
there in, I believe, January 6th. We're going to practice these things. But what's most important is the word of God. This is what cuts to the heart. This is what's alive. It's powerful than any two-edged sword. This is what reveals to us that we're sinners. It reveals to us the things that need to change. It reveals to us the grace of God, the love of God, the mercies of God, the kindness of God. But it also reveals the judgment of God. And remember, when you came to the faith, right, it wasn't through gifts or through things that you saw or it wasn't through the people. It was when you were finally coming into the place that the word of God was being taught. And what happened to you? You yielded to it, right? You surrendered yourself to it. You were saying, man, there's nothing like that. God is speaking to me directly. And that's why the word of God is alive. It's not that I know anything about you guys. And many people will say, you know what, when they first came to this church, my spouse told you something about me. Or you know what, something was revealed to you by my friend. It has nothing to do with that. It's a word of God that knows what you're going through and it pierces your heart because it's alive and it's powerful. And this is what we give. It's nothing that we give. It's nothing that we have. It's his word that has all power. It's what leads us to, brings us to salvation. It is a word of God. And when we surrender our, to the word of God, it, it happened with the governor. And remember, this governor was a Gentile. This is what began to open now, the Gentiles. As Paul would realize, he was called to the Gentiles. Yes, he went to the Jew first, but yet, as we see, that the door was open, as it was open through Peter, as it was open through the unnamed disciples, Paul's main focus would be the Gentiles. As we look at this, remember, it is amazing as we go through the word of god the word of god wants to come to life in our hearts and it will if we give it an opportunity but as we learned about the holy spirit the holy spirit is the one that is doing the work through us he's an actual person he actually directs us he actually fills us he baptizes us this is the holy spirit that we're talking about he speaks and he speaks if we're sensitive and we're filled with his spirit. I want to share this with you. I'm going to give you an opportunity now as we close. It all starts with your surrender to Jesus Christ. 